Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the first chapter, the first to the fifth verse. The reading is also near Bolton. If you are able, please stand for the reading. This, then, is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the points in time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. All that time, each will receive their praise from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. I'm just a nobody Trying to tell somebody About somebody Who can save anybody I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody About somebody can save anybody. Thank God. I just want to. I really do want to thank God for this day. I really want to thank his servant, Pastor Mark Meeks of City Church. And I just want to say good morning. To all of God's people. And a hearty welcome to St. John. Those of you that are from St. John that are here and present this morning. Thank you for being with us. And to those who are present and might be sitting on the bubble in regard to eternal life. I want to say you're welcome. We want to continue our systematic expository study of 1 Corinthians that has begun for the last few weeks. Began, first of all, it started with Dr. David Nenstrom. He came and gave us the uh, formation of what we were going to be studying and showing us and teaching us the words and what they was about and what First Corinthians was about. Then our pastor took over from there and he's been going tediously through the scripture teaching us about 1 Corinthians and teaching us about a church who had allowed the culture of their surroundings to enter into the church. And even though they were Christians, and even though they had been saved, and even though they knew God, and even though they had the Holy Spirit, and even though they had the gifts that God had given them to minister and to be his servants, they yet, because they maybe, I'm saying, that they had these gifts and they knew all about them, this, these gifts that they had, they, they somehow became a little arrogant. They somehow became conscious of themselves more than it was of God. And when you do that, you can allow yourself to be led or you yourself can drift into an area that God didn't plan for you. And you begin to mix what you think is right with what God 
has given that he know is right for you. And that way you can lose track of who you really are. And it didn't just happen to the church in Corinth because in, in our modern day churches, if you really pay close attention, you will notice some of the same things that are happening in our church today. These things, uh, what we have in our culture, the things that are going on in our culture, and even sometimes we adopt these things and bring them right in, and we don't even seem to be conscious of it. Now, I was listening to the radio yesterday, and I heard someone speaking about that Christians uh, are divorcing at a higher rate even than the world at this time. And that is because, and the only reason that could happen and the only way that could happen is because we ourselves allow it to happen. We don't have to allow it to happen, but if we allow it to happen, if we welcome it and say, okay, it's okay. You know, just like, you know, it's political correct to believe or to do some things that the world do. It's okay. But you know, God didn't plan it that way, not for Christians. Not for Christian, and, and, and it's, 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 it's really sad when you really think about it, that we actually, when I think about it, I actually think, my goodness, I should be mourning. I should really be in mourning because of the things that are going on among ourselves, our Christian brothers, and those that are hurting and, and hurting each other. When God gave Eve to Adam, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, it was forever. It was forever. And marriage is something to be taken serious. I mean, very serious because God himself is the one that brought it together. He's the one that created it. He made it to be what it's supposed to be. And it's, it's us that have drifted away. But to all of you that are married right now, that are here today, cherish your mate. I mean really cherish them. I mean look them in the face and, and look them in the eye and, and say to them, I, I really do love you because we are of God and we belong together because God brought us together and those of you who are thinking of marriage consider and think very seriously about what you are going to commit yourself to don't allow the world to dictate to you what your marriage should be don't become like the Corinth church as I said, we are continuing our systematic study of 1 Corinthians, and we now begin in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. We also want to thank the Archbishop of Canterbury. His name is Steve, uh, Stephen Langton. Anyone ever heard of him? Stephen Langton? Shame on you. <laughs> one person. <laughs> Stephen Langton was the Archbishop of Canterbury, and he's the one who 
1227 AD gave us the divisions of scripture. He gave us the chapters and he gave us the verses. Before that, it was just a scroll. You remember in Luke, the fourth chapter, when Jesus went into the synagogue and they gave him a scroll, right? And he read from that scroll, right? And then he gave it back to the attendant and rolled it back up. That's the way the scripture was eventually until Steve Lanson decided, and I know that God has something to do with this, to give us chapters and verses. And even though he had done that, it was, un, it was not until 1382 AD that it was first used in the Bible, in Wycliffe, the Wycliffe Bible. 1382, that it was first used, chapters and verses. It, of course, helped us to understand the Bible better. For example, as we pick up the scriptures in verse 1 of chapter 4, we notice a continuation of Paul's explanation of the roles of the servants of Christ Jesus. He says, in the imperative, this then is how you ought to regard us. This is how you ought to look upon us. This is how you ought to think in your mind about who we are. And Paul, of course, is giving reference to chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 that Pastor Meek has already gone, o- gone over. Paul and Paulus. Paul and Apollos. Paul is still addressing the divisiveness or divisiveness in the church, whereas some were regarding, I'm of a Paul. I'm a Paul. I'm a Cephas. I'm a Christ. And you notice chapter 3, verses 5, uses the same word servant as you find here in the fourth chapter in the first verse. It is the word huperethes meaning any person who is under the authority of another or gets his orders to carry out a particular task. For example, as I referenced before in Luke 4.20, when Jesus had finished reading the Isaiah's passage of the scroll, he gave it to the huperetus. He gave it to the attendant, if you please. The huperetus is serving under the authority of another. This is what Paul wants us to understand about him and Apollos. They are the messengers. They don't pick out what they want to preach or what they want to teach. It's, it's from God. They are the message. They serve it up because God has already chosen them to be who they are. God chose them and sent them to be apostles. God chose and sent Pastor Meeks to be the pastor of City Church. God chose and sent Nate. God chose and sent Bert, Veronica. God chose and sent you, the deacons, the servants of God. God chose and sent you. You are the servants of God. It's God that has already planned and prepared the message. And what you are are the servants of God to give it out. It's not you that prepares the message. You don't prepare the meal. All you have to do is feed it to someone. Give it to someone. Give it to anybody. We are now on a mission, and it is a mission that God has prepared for City Church, is to try to get somebody out in your neighborhoods to be saved. And the only way they're going to get saved is by you serving out the message. And if you give out the food, and if they eat it, I guarantee you they will digest it. And when they digest it, I guarantee it will do them some good. And they can be saved. And that's all Paul wants you to understand. 
He wants us to understand that he, just like he, he wanted to correct the church, he wants us also to understand they are servants. You are servants. We are servants. We belong to him. He chose us. You know, that's what the Lord told his, his disciples. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Doesn't that make a difference in your life right today? To know that the almighty, loving, kind, wonderful, gracious God descended down and consented enough to allow himself to say, I chose you. I want you. And when you think about that, this is God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that is in it. But he loves you enough. He loves us enough to give us his word. And look how he planned it. He planned it in such a way that the Bible is still the best-selling book in the world and has been and will be and shall always be. Why? Because it's of God. It's his word. His eternal word. It won't change. That's what I like about God. Nothing that he does change but human beings. We're the only one. We want to change. We need the mercy and the grace of God to understand that we shouldn't change. When Jesus gave the command, love one another as I have loved you, that was for us too. We got to do it. We have to show it. And Paul is talking about that. My Lord. Mm. But notice, Paul also says that they are autonomous stewards are managers of the mysteries of God. We are. See, there's no more mystery. There's no more secret. God has opened up to us the mystery and the secrets. They're no more hidden. Understand the mystery of the secret belongs to God and to whoever, whomever he desires or choose to share the secrets to. And he has chose to share it with you. He's chose to share the almighty, powerful gospel to you. Right. I am, Paul said, not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. The Jewish first and also, and also, and also. That also covers everybody that's going to believe. And also the Gentile. And also you. And also me. It's the power of God. The gospel. And we are the stewards. But a steward has to be faithful. It has to be trustworthy. Amen. You see this young lady over here with the baby in her arm? Amen. Would you trust your child to anybody? Huh? To see how someone has trusted that baby to her? Because she's trustworthy. She's not afraid. You're not afraid, are you? You're not afraid, are you? You trust that child in the arm of someone that you trust. Well, that's what God has done. 
He has given us his word. He's put it in our hand. He put it in our arm. He's opened up our mouth. He put it on our tongue. He trusts us to be faithful to give it out like he has given it to us. He trusts us to be faithful. Faithful. Not just, I'm here today. See you next Sunday. I'm here today. Let's worship the Lord. See you next Sunday. He even planned that to let us know that the Sabbath has passed, but the first day of the week is still here because the first day of the week is the power of the resurrection. Do you know what Paul said? I want to know him and the power of his resurrection found in Philippians, the third chapter. This is resurrection day. Amen. Did you find it difficult to get up this morning? Whew. Just think if Jesus had found it difficult to get up on that resurrection morning. Think about it. Every resurrection day, you are, we ought to be, not just you, but all of us ought to be anxious and ready to get up because that's when Jesus got up. And he didn't hesitate. It didn't take him long to get dressed. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And he stepped out. Hallelujah. And we're still singing the new good news. He is risen. He's risen. He's risen in our hearts. He's risen. He's alive. There are two words in verse 2 that we should be focused on and we just got through talking about and that's trust and faith. Don't forget those words. They belong to you. You must be faithful. You know in Luke, the 12th chapter, 42nd and 43rd verse, the Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food? allowance at the proper time. It would be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Amen? We've got to continue. It's not something that you just do today and skip a week or two, go on vacation, and then come back and do it again. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, 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 I'm, God just not giving me this because I, I hadn't thought about this. Just think about that. I'm going to do God's will today, then I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to take a week off. And maybe I'll do it next week or the week after. Then I'll come back like I'm so faithful and I'm, so, and I'm doing everything that God has called and chosen me to do. Think about it. Are you? Are we? Is it every Sunday that we do his will? Every Wednesday? Every first and second Friday, second and third Fridays, is that the only time? What about those days you go to work? Do we take a vacation then? I, ain't, I don't have nothing to tell you today. Come to church Sunday. I see you church. I see you at church. Come to church. Let me show you where my church is. Then I can serve you but I can't serve you during the week. 
because I'm working. And I got other things to do. I'm busy. Amen. Is that what happened to some of us? Don't be afraid to confess and say, ooh, I got to do better than that. I never even thought about it. Amen. Amen. My grandmother always said, when you know better, you should do better. Amen. Amen. Because no one can blame or hold someone responsible for something that they don't know anything about. But once you know, you have no excuses. Paul now addresses those who would evaluate his ministry. You know those who always judge you. <laughs> no matter what you do or what you say, they are going to have a judgment. Paul uses his superbity qualifier to say, I could care less. I could care to the least degree of what you or any court or anybody judge or say about me. I don't care. This is what Paul, I don't care what you're saying about me. I don't care how you evaluate me. I don't care if a court does the same. I don't care. I don't even examine myself, so why should I care about what you say? That's what Paul is saying. Amen. And if I don't examine myself in that kind of manner, we can learn a lot here. Don't, don't allow others to define you. Amen. Don't let other people define you or who you are by judging your ministry. I'm speaking of your ministry. Amen. Don't let no one judge your ministry. What God has called and chose you to be and to do, don't allow anyone to evaluate you in such a way that they can get in your head and prevent you from doing what God has chose you to do. Don't allow that. Don't let anything control you or anybody. God says he's given us the power over the devil. And he's put Satan under our feet. And if that is true, no one can control your mind but you. And the Holy Spirit, if you allow him to do it. Even God won't intrude upon your mind if you won't let him. He won't force you to do anything. But if, I guarantee you, if you allow God to work in your heart and in your mind, you're going to find yourself being blessed in a way that you could never consider. I never thought about it. He just wanted to use you. Amen. He bought you, he purchased you with a price. Isn't that something? God died for you and purchased you, and yet he still don't force himself on you. That don't, that don't even make sense. You belong to him, and yet he won't force himself on you. He wants you to welcome him. Amen. Amen. He wants to say, come in, Lord. Come in. Come into my house. I hear you knocking. Come on in. So I can do your will. That's what Paul is talking about. Don't let nobody define you and your ministry. Because people will get in your head. Amen. And here you will find yourself thinking about what somebody else is saying about you or what somebody is doing about what you have said. Don't allow that. Don't let nobody control you. Don't do it to yourself. We can have a clear conscience regarding ourselves as does Paul right now. Now, verse 5, this is one of those verses where the text speaks for itself. There's not much to explain as there is to just comprehend. 
what is being said, what is being conveyed by the Apostle Paul. It is also in the imperative. Stop forming a critical judgment or judgment opinion of your fellow Christian brother. The appointment or the appointed time has not come yet. And when it does, if you just wait for it, the righteous judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, would do the judging. And everything that people thought that they were doing in secret and in darkness, he would shine his everlasting powerful light upon it. Just like the sun coming up in the morning. I don't know if you've ever been up in the dawn when the sun's first coming up. If you really pay close attention early in the morning when the sun began to come up, and they call it dawn, you see the darkness dispelling as the sun rises. The darkness goes away. And all that you couldn't see in the darkness, all that you couldn't see at night, all of a sudden it's open, it's revealed to you. Well, that's what God is going to do to all of his servants. Everything that you thought you got away with, everything that you said, everything that was wrong and you thought was hidden and nobody knew it, the Son of God is going to reveal it to us. And when he reveals it to us, those of us that are due a reward, are due praises, will receive it. And those that are not won't receive nothing. And you're going to be ashamed. We will be ashamed because we was here on this earth doing nothing. Thought we were doing something. But it wasn't for God, it was for ourselves. If you were doing it for God, it'll last. There will be a final decision. No more chances. It'll be over. Whatever we have been given to do according to the perfect plan of God as stewards and servants, we ought to do it. We ought to begin to do it and prove to be faithful servants of God. And that will determine what we will receive from God. I thank God. Last time I stood in front of you, it took 48 minutes. Pastor Mark didn't say nothing. He knew that I was going to whip myself <laughs> when I found out that it took that long. And I promised myself it wouldn't happen today. God bless you. <laughs>